1: Yo, what's up? It's your boy, L-A, a.k.a. the Love Ambassador, coming to you straight, live, and direct from the Jungle Studios. And now, well, what can be lonely by yourself? And I'm very fortunate to have a very close friend, the one, the only, the myth, the man, the legend, oh, Mr. Billy! What's that man? Hey, man.
0: Morning, morning.
1: Or morning, afternoon. Morning, sunshine. Wakey, wakey, hand of you. So, quite early in the morning in Singapore. Uh, how's uh, how's things going, buddy? You good? Yeah, yeah. Things are good. Things are rolling along. It, it could be worse, right? Yeah. So, I want. Uh, now, I I did promise you during the week when we were uh when we were chatting that I would tell you the story about what was in the budget. So, for yeah. those that don't know, listening overseas, every year uh the Australian treasurer gets up in front of the parliament and he goes through. Essentially, uh, what the what the government's spending on and what they're not spending on, right? So as the usual, you know, fifteen percent pay rises and childcare and defence and blah blah blah. But within the budget, and it's, I know it's the same in America, they also don't publish everything. There's little bits in like page sixty two or whatever. So one of which is an absolute built-up. So they have this... So every space object launched by Australians or from Australia, so that's like satellite, missile, whatever, right, that yeah. kills a foreigner, that they're going to pay for the premium of the insurance for falling space objects. So if they launch a satellite out of Australia and God forbid it lands in the Solomon Islands and kills a couple of Indigenous blokes, They'll yeah. be covered for the insurance for it. That's I'm what, not what was in the budget. That makes sense. Yeah, but it's just unbelievable. So you got to wonder, right? Mm. How, do, how do they actually come up with this? Like, has this happened before? Have they just launched a couple of satellites that have just gone wrong and taken out an island in, you know, much of a Tonga? Or, you know, like, how do they even come up with it,
0: dude? It must have happened. It it really right. something must have must happened, have. <laughs> and then it they sued, happened. and there was no insurance for have it.
1: Happened. <laughs> it <laughs> must have. I mean, I hope that they're okay. Hopefully, it's you know, it's bad if someone died, but if you see the humor in light, clearly this is <laughs> clearly this has happened, <laughs> and they've got a now and didn't yeah. have budget because they had no provisions. So for those interested in facts and figures, it's $3 billion for the total payout, so it's insurance on that. The Mm. other one, which is quite controversial in Australia, which I've done a little bit of research on since just chatting to the people, recycling campaign. Households will be encouraged to think more carefully about what they throw in the bin for a consumer behaviour change program for waste, which is getting $10 million over two years for a national campaign. It turns out there's a bin war. I don't know what it's like in Singapore and America, but in Australia, there's a massive, massive bin war going on. So for example, mm. where my sister lives in her apartment building, yeah. people monitor the CCTV cameras to watch what you put in. Are you and I've just been uh yeah, and I've just was just down at the barber getting a fresh cut. Shout out to Nathan. Uh-huh. And uh he was telling me that he threw an old suitcase in the big rubbish bin. And he goes, I go up to my apartment and he goes, There's an email from the Body Corp saying, We've just checked the CCDV camera. You need to come get your suitcase back, you've put it in the wrong bin. It's not hard rubbish. And then my other mate, well, Alex, you know, he goes, Alex has said, Oh, there's like a there's a war going on with people putting plastics in the wrong bins. What the hell? Don't
0: people have anything better to do with their day than like? I don't is know. It, and then most of that stuff is a scam anyway. I thought I was reading something that even the whole recycling thing, like actually, it just pretty much all ends up at the same place. Like it, it's just for show. Like they, they don't do it actually much with it.
1: Yeah. So what used to happen yeah. right, was that they used to package all of the recycled plastics and then they used to essentially put it in containers and send it back to China. And China would, I, I guess, China reprocessed it, or mm. they like remelted it or whatever. But China now, because they have their own enough domestic supply, said no, we don't need it anymore. So there's a very limited amount that goes in for Visi that does like the, the packaging and glasses and whatever. But in many and many times, it, it it just sits in warehouses. Yeah, they just dump it. They just dump it in like open spaces. So you know the. Uh, I've always been a big fan of recycling, but yeah, the no one's really telling people about the end game. and yet yet people are having full blown wars in uh, suburban Melbourne over.
0: That's crazy to me. Like you really think, especially if it's your neighbor, right? Like why would you want why would you want to start a fight with your neighbor over them putting something in the wrong bin? Like of all the things you could have beef over, that's what you want it to be. Like you really must have nothing going on in your life, or you have just like like, like start
1: playing video games or something. Get a hobby. For fuck's sake, leave people alone. Power, it's power. No, isn't it? Isn't the feeling? Isn't it the feeling of power? It's not because even them. Major- They're just snitches. Like you're not. Like, I'm yeah. from the. <laughs> I'm from the era. I'm from the era that snitches get stitches. Yeah, bro, snitches get <laughs> stitches.
0: But like, it's not. I understand people who want to to. I'm not saying I understand people who power trip. I understand well, why they power trip, right? Because they're assholes. But this is like a step even below that because you're not even, like you might get like the the runoff from the power trip, but the power trip is the person who can actually enforce what they're saying. Like if you go out there and yell at them, you can't do anything. You have to go tell on them so the people with the real power come over and then you're irrelevant, right? You're not important anymore. Like they're not going to give you an award for being a snitch. So but also, I don't understand also, why it's
1: all right. Yeah. So the next thing is uh, we'll, we'll bring it back into America. And I, I had a real good laugh about this, right? So from my understanding is under, under Trump with the borders, there was that mm-hmm. like the health thing where you could essentially deport yep. illegal migrants back on health grounds. But now yep. that's, since fallen so the masses are coming in, right? Yeah. So anyway, a bit of a bit of a bit of a light of the story, right? Mm. So one of the news outlets is, is doing this interview with this this bloke. And let's say he's, I don't know, he's come from Bolivia or whatever, right? He's come from the South he's come from the South Americas. Yeah. So he comes in they interview and they go, Yep, look, you've just uh you've just crossed the river and uh illegal migrant and what's your plans in America and everything like that. And he goes, man in Spanish. He goes, man, i travelled all this distance and for lunch they gave me a burrito and for dinner they gave me a hamburger. What the heck is wrong with this country? This food is shit. Why don't they give us a proper meal? I mean, we're in Texas. Would it kill him to give me a ribeye steak? I don't even know why I've travelled this far. I mean, it's yeah. just crap food. And I was laughing my head up. I was like, wow, like, talking about a picky like you're escaping like (laughs) ms-13 and you're worried about the food yeah yeah there's
0: people complaining that like these these migrants have so many demands and it's like some of them are okay i'm sure but then you get some that are like oh no you can't put me here you can't do this to me you can't feed me this it's like what, what do you mean we can't like we we can kind of do whatever we want man like this is a Welcome to America, where you know you think you're getting a better shake, but you're not.
1: <laughs> what, what do you think? That the, what, what do you think the percentage of Americans is below the poverty line? Oh, 10%? Shit, dude, someone told me 60% of oh, Americans no. are technically below, but it sounds
0: ridiculous. I can't remember how many Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Hold up, it's a huge amount.
1: Uh I think, I think
0: maybe I'm it's half. 60% live paycheck to paycheck. That could be a thing. yeah, one second, live paycheck. I gotta do a little quick searching. Quick
1: quick quick little searching yeah. 58% yeah. of all Americans are now living paycheck to paycheck. Ah, that's what the stat was there. 60%. God, that's crazy. But to me, that's Isn't honestly it? like that's below the poverty line.
0: Like if you're living paycheck yeah. to paycheck, you're you're broke. Yeah, like, you're poor. And not poor like you don't have money like you're poor in the sense you don't know how to handle your finances, like you're screwed. Uh, let's see how many Americans are below the poverty line. Hang on, uh,
1: eleven point
0: six percent are below the poverty line. But honestly, I would argue that if you're paycheck to paycheck, you're 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 below the poverty line because you imagine those people who are living paycheck to paycheck, credit card bills, car loans home loans, student loans, like all it takes is for you to lose your job, you're done. Like you're not going to be able to pay anything, rent, gas, food, like you can't, you have so, like I, I highly doubt that of those 58% of Americans that none of them are carrying any debt, living paycheck to paycheck. Like they're going to have other liabilities are going to keep, you know, building, building, building while they're trying to find a second job. It's, it's not good, man. I don't. I don't understand why everybody thinks America is such a great place to be. I'd say back in like like the '60s to the early 2000s, like yeah, like there's a lot of opportunity. But now, I don't know. Like, like what are they hoping to get? (laughs) Like, I I don't get it. Like, you're gonna come here for for what? Like, okay, maybe you can get healthcare, Um, but it's not like you need healthcare for your whole life. So like, I don't I don't understand what they think they're going to get here like we're we're clearly having so many issues and we're so far not on a good track and if we get on the good track they're all not going to be allowed in so their only chance of survival is if shit just continues getting worse why would you leave a place that is you know potentially you know not great but could be getting better uh, or has the chance to get better to a place that's completely just falling apart like you're just going from Like, A equals B, man. I think the only thing we probably have are the hospitals. Like, you're not getting much of a fair, maybe earn some more money, but in what sense you're not going to be able to afford anything anyway in the U.S., unless you send it all back home. But, all right, I guess.
1: I I don't know. I, I I think it's two things, mate. I think it's like the... The perception, which is put over overseas by by Hollywood and everything like that, you know, and the TV series and whatnot. So the perception of, of America has always been, you know, the land of opportunity, the land of the free, the yeah. everyone has a free chance. You know, you can be like Jay Z and go from the ghetto to ghetto to be a billionaire, and and you know, like so. So there's that there's that perception, right? And then I guess. Uh, the second thing would be, um, because I always thought, why would you go from a violent area if going to, let's say, Chicago, where you know that there's going to be, like, shootings and gangs and yeah. and, and stuff in, in the south side? Not, the south side of Chicago is really rough. Right? It's literally called Shira. And I always wondered, why would you kind of go there knowing that most likely that's where you're going to end up? if they're putting you places or whatever, like they're relocating. But then I thought about it as well. And I guess maybe it's just if you're in like a violent area, you just probably think, well, at least in America, maybe there's the slimmest chance that like my kids will have a a, a better chance of getting out or, or maybe like the, the, there's, you know, instead of like, Three percent chance in El Salvador. You know, maybe there's like ten percent that they can go to school and get a decent job and 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 whatever. Um, I understand that. Yeah, if you're a parent, I don't under, I kids. don't under, I don't understand all these people coming from like because you read about you read about like the migrants, the migrants aren't just like Nicaragua in El Salvador. You kind of be like, yeah, all right, fair enough. Like the the narco states and. Obviously, the history of American intervention and everything like that was a story for another day. But places like Eastern Europe, or like you read about people coming from like Ghana and and that sort of thing. Like Ghana's Ghana's fine. You've got heaps of opportunities there. You know, like Eastern Europe, it's you've still got the leftover from the socialism system of like at least decent unis and everything like that. You know, like and and access into EU for most of them now so that's that's what i don't get i, I don't get why people are, are migrating from all these other countries to go in thinking they're going to get a better chance by crossing the border but i guess it comes down to just the perception you you've got yeah. more opportunities there
0: uh, yeah i guess i guess that's what they think i don't know who's giving them that perception and they should do some better research but i like i said i understand if you're like a mom with your kid or your parents with your kid and you think it's a better chance for them to have a better
1: life. But a lot of these people are like young, young males coming in. Like what? Like I, I oh, think that's, just... that's looking for work though. That's that's the same as when my mum came to Europe. Uh, well, my mum came from uh, Poland to Australia and on the boat in the 60s and it was all, all, the whole boat was basically men that were like 18, 19 years old. And that was my mum, my aunt uh, and two other girls. And the captain pulled him into the bridge and said, um, look, we've basically got like a couple of hundred 19-year-old men that are leaving their families and going to the other side of the world to work. And this is before internet and phones and everything like that. So it's not like when they leave, they were literally leaving forever. Uh and they and the, the captain was like, If what you do on a romantic levels, your your business, but if these guys ask you to dance or to chat or whatever, you have to dance and talk to them. Otherwise, you know, on a boat for three months, they'll they'll throw each other overboard and fights and that sort of stuff. Cause these guys were going back and forth in this liner, and yeah, people were just like, you know, getting into raging arguments over a woman and like throwing each other overboard and stuff. So I understand that element of the young folks. A lot of them are just looking for work and you know, if you mate, if you're like 19 years old in Mexico, like you'd give it a crack, wouldn't you? Like if you're on some farm in Mexico, wouldn't you just go, oh, "Bugger! I'll just get, swim across the river and see how it goes." But what to work on a farm in the U.S. Yeah, at least
0: you know same same, man. <laughs> and then you're gonna send the money back to Mexico anyway. Like I don't know, man. I, I I don't I don't think they're looking to work. I don't buy it. Like I think they they're forced to work because they realize that they. I think they go there with the idea that the U S takes care of you and you'll get all these handouts and you'll just have a better life. And then they get here and they realize that's not the case. And then you have some of them go into crime and join gangs where we have all these fucking South American gangs in the U S now, or they start working shit jobs illegally. And they're treated like trash because the guy who employs them, you know, doesn't need to pair them a fair wage doesn't need to take care of them because they're not, they're not official. They're not on the record. So, to me, it's just a lose-lose. I, I can't stand these people who are always like, oh, it, it, immigration makes everything better. It's like, yeah, if it's done correctly, I agree with that. But not when, you know, in the U.S.'s case where we have thousands of people crossing every single fucking day. Like, how many, like, like jobs to do what? Like, we've completely killed our, our, our blue-collar, like, manufacturing, physical labor industry other than farming. And you don't even need them for fucking farming soon. They already have... Do you see some of these machines they have for farming? Oh, the lawn blowing. Yeah, you don't. It just drives down. It's somehow able to pick all the fucking strawberries off the damn trees, but leave the trees completely fine. And it just drives right over the thing. Like, it's this giant-ass tractor. (laughs) Done. Like, like, you don't need them. Like, I understand it still might be cheaper than buying one of those tractors, but eventually that's what's gonna happen. So it's like we're losing all these jobs that required, you know, like say like the menial labor job like maybe only in construction and construction is like i mean first of all how much construction is going on second it's all union um of course you can bring in some you know illegals which they've done for for years and years and years but we've already been doing that there's definitely not so much construction that we need these many more people coming in It's it's I mean, you hear the stories about the cities in Texas that are on the border. They're completely overrun, dude. They don't they don't know what to do. That's why they're busting them all up because they're like, look, we can't we can't handle it. We don't we literally don't have the space. We don't have the work. We don't have the facilities to care for these people. So what are we doing? We're sending them to places where they're not going to be able to get work anyway, or it's going to be a shit job. They're going to get treated like shit. They're not doing anybody any favors. And nobody seems to like the issues you get these fucking bleeding hearts who are like oh they just want a better life duh, duh, duh. fine they want a better life understandable if i decided i wanted a better life and i wanted to sneak into fucking australia or sweden and start working there do you think they'd be super accommodating to me i don't know i don't you think know the so.
1: biggest you know the biggest amount of illegal migrants in australia are actually americans and europeans overstaying the tourist visa like, it, do they, do they yeah. like stay, stay, or do
0: they just like, are they drunk in a bar and they're like, oh man? Whoops. No, like
1: stay, stay. Like they come in on a tour because they fly in on a tourist visa and then they just kind of cruise around for a couple of years and then like no one really, no one really particularly checks it, you know? But they go home, and then, right?
0: And then, yeah, but I mean, look. That's yeah, what matters. They, it's not like they're sneaking in because they think, oh, if I sneak in, Aussies aren't going to deport me. And they're going to give me a house and feed me and I'll get benefits and someone's going to pay for my shit. Like, like Japan, all these other countries, they don't fuck around. With, they don't have this kind of shit. They don't have
1: these problems. I think I was just having this discussion the other day of like, if. See, in the, the argument with Australia of people coming in by, let's say, boats or whatever, right? I understand you're in a war zone. You want to get out. Okay. Yeah. But let's say, I don't know, let's use, like, Sudan, okay? Sudan's currently in a civil war at the moment, mm-hmm. okay? So you want to escape. So you can go to Egypt or Ethiopia or Saudi Arabia or Chad or wherever. Let's say argument's state that they're getting on boats and then they're going to Sri Lanka and then Sri Lanka, and Indonesia and then Indonesia into Australia. I mean, it's the same thing with when we were having people out during the civil war in Sri Lanka. And I love Sri Lankan people. Like one of my one of my my biggest mentors in life was Sri Lanka, Tamil. But the principle of of coming in as an illegal migrant was, if you're in Sri Lanka and you are Tamil, you can go to India and it's safe. Or you could go to Malaysia or Indonesia or Thailand. So they, don't they don't want
0: that.
1: You may as well. I, I always say you may as well rock up. Instead of saying, oh, I'm a refugee and, and blah, 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 just rock up and be honest and say, yeah, you know what? I'm here as an economic refugee. I reckon there's a better chance of here. Give me a five-year visa. I'll work. I'll pay my taxes. I'll contribute to the local you know temple and the local footy club and After five years, have I proven to you that I'm an outstanding person of the society that's contributing in many ways and, you know, give me my my permanent residency? That would be the better way of doing it, right? As opposed to just going, oh, I was in a conflict and I had to escape and this was the closest place I could go. It's like, nah, prick, like you got on a boat from Indonesia. They're not at war with anyone. No, yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't I don't like that. I,
0: they do the same thing in the US. They go through all these other countries that they can apply for asylum for but then they get to the US. They're not looking for asylum. They t- like, look, there's a proper channel. Just because your country's in a war doesn't mean you get to skip the channel to come in and start living there. Like if you want asylum, fine, then once the war's over, you get sent back. Um, But if, if I was like, a, like if, if I was Aussie and I know that you could go to like five, six countries around you that also grant asylum, I'm just going to send you right back. I'm going to send you back. Say, I don't care. It's not my problem. You made the decision, the conscious decision to skip all of these other countries that are right next door to you to come here. Or you've even you've even went traveled through them to come here. Why? Like you, it's not as if those other countries rejected your asylum. If if they rejected you, then I understand. Or if the country, yeah, if the country's like, oh, look, we took too many. We can't do it anymore. You have to go somewhere else. Then I understand. But the fact that they're like, oh, no, this place is too shitty for me. I don't want to be here. Oh, I don't, I don't want to be here. Oh, I don't, I don't, like you're really, you're really being picky. Like you just came from a war zone and you think like, oh, this isn't good enough for me. Like, seriously, like, it, it boggles my mind like it's so ridiculously like it's just so blatantly I, I can't even find a word for it man like I want to say selfish but it even goes beyond that because it's like you are taking a conflict that's horrible and trying to find a way to use it for your own benefit to go somewhere better and it's almost as if you never actually gave a fuck where you came from you're just like oh shit now I can go somewhere really really great and just stay there so it's like, I, 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 I don't even know how to say it. It's it's embarrassing. I think I, like it's embarrassing to know that hey, you're so quick to throw your country to the trash because of conflicts. And I understand if you're not, you know, fighting in it or supporting it, you just want to get out till shit comes down. Okay, but the fact that they use it as an excuse. Because they don't, they, they probably like, okay, they care. But in, in my view, actually, at that point, once they pick and choose where they want to go and they try to go to the best possible place and probably want to stay there, it's like, you don't care. You don't care. Like, it, you cared because it was inconvenient when it started. But now you're looking at it as an opportunity just to go somewhere else and, 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 and be there. Just because you can get a better life. Like, I, I, I don't get it, man. Like it's it's, and then this is the issue that all these countries have to begin with. Like you have all of these people who who if they would have stayed in their own country, maybe could have made a decent difference, but they're all running away,
1: and it's they're going to times. others.
0: Yeah, exactly. So even though you're getting probably a lot of chaff, which you don't need, you will occasionally get you know within that chaff maybe a good handful of people who could have made a real difference in their own country, but no, they're not there anymore because either their parents took them out of there or they ran from there because they were told to do it, and it's. I don't know. Yeah, It's like. But I want. be I it so sad. Much. And it's like, it's understandable, right? Because every country has gone through. So, of course, some are worse than others and some came out better than others. And some countries made better decisions and played the game way better, right? Because it's all game at the end of the day. But, you know, you, you can't look at Europe and be like, wow, Europe is great. Like, oh, wow, no issues there. It's like, motherfucker. You know how many fucking wars and civil wars and fucking bullshit they had killing each other and those people still fucking stayed there? I mean, of course, World War II they they ran, right? You had a group of people running to get out to get out of the to get out of the war, and then they went to places, but the countries actually wanted them. Like at least in the US, we actually wanted them because we actually needed the fucking labor. It was great for them to build oh, railroads those or couple build of construction.
1: Apart from those couple of Jewish refugee boats that you that you booted. What was it? What was the name of the ship? It was a controversy. Was it? Well, it was during World War Two. They were like escaping. They were like escaping the Holocaust. They went to like mm. Cuba. Then no, they went to like America. America was like nah. And then I think they ended up. Some mm. ended up in Cuba or something like that. And then others uh, went back to Germany and then got <laughs> got done. Interesting. So, that I don't know. Yeah, I have to check that out, mate. A um a separate thing. Did you mm. did you ever uh, ever get into the horse racing? So in 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 Melbourne, we actually have a public holiday yeah. for a horse race called the Melbourne Cup, mm-hmm. uh, and I I for one love I look don't mind a bit of a flutter and a bit of a punt, but I just absolutely love watching horses race. How about yourself? Yep, yeah. yeah, I used to I used to bet on horses a lot. I stopped
0: though because I wasn't very good, but I used to have a racetrack right by my house, very close, so I used to go there.
1: Oh yeah. um, So I'll just read it. There was, hmm. an art, there was an article in The Economist saying horse racing in America needs to improve its odds. I'll quickly read it out. At Churchill Downs on May 6th, Mage, a 15-to-1 shot came from behind to win the Kentucky Derby. America's premier horse race, the Derby with its popularity page and mid Juleps is not typical. The greatest two minutes in sport is the only two minutes of horse racing many Americans watch. The industry's popularity has been waning for decades. Mm. Attendance at racetracks is abysmal. New mm-hmm. York's Aqueduct, which opened in 1894, will soon close oh, by dozens of the tracks since 2000. In 1989, there were 74,071 races. Last year, just 33,453. Only 17,300 thoroughbred fails were registered last year, according to the Jockey Club. In 1990, it was 40,333. So uh, interesting you're talking about gambling. Gambling on horses was once the only legal form of bidding in many parts of the country. Yep. And now it's seen as an online game far more convenient than a trick to the track, and growth in e and fantasy sports gamblings have also softened away potential new fans. Apart from the jockeys, it is unusual to see anyone under 50 at the track. And You know, usual scandals of doping in Congress and blah, blah, blah. blah. Well, what's your thoughts on it, mate? Do you why do you think that people aren't going to the racetrack anymore and getting into the horses? I don't really
0: know why, actually. Um, I don't know why, because it's fun, and I I used to do it my I used to go down and watch the horses myself live, and I don't. I think. May well i mean you have some old timers who sit there with all the tvs and them. because in, in my particular race course they also have like the the tv betting so you'll watch the yeah. live race when the race is running but then you'll go back to your table with all the tvs and you'll bet on races like all over the country so they're constantly betting yeah I, we've got that with the tab that's called you,
1: yeah i i think
0: i think nowadays with exactly kind of the advent of online betting and 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 all these other and all these other uh alternatives for sports that people like actively like keep up with right like you 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 people would rather bet on football because they watch football bet on baseball because you understand baseball like there's not many people who i would say understand horse
1: racing and then at the same time what do they understand horse racing it it just goes the horses run around and one gets up. Are you no, talking no, about no. understanding terms of what runs and if it's good or what track and before? Yeah, dude. You or... got to learn
0: like the actual, you know, what the program yeah, is. Yeah, true. If you want to take it seriously. So there's a lot of info you got to digest. And then to be honest, even then, if you get it, if, if you know what you're reading, you probably
1: still won't know how to interpret it well. So I I don't know. Man. That's also I, must I, be I, recruitment I... for young people. Because it so in Melbourne, our spring carnival is absolutely gigantic, and it's it's for uh, you got sort of you know your old timers that go in, but a lot mm-hmm. of young people go, um, and they get so that you know the, the well, I guess today's world you have to say the people that identify as men and the people that identify as feet, but anyway, the, the 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 fillies and the and, and the blokes get nicely dressed up and. Drink a lot of champagne and party really hard and get on the bet and it's huge. They get like ninety hundred thousand people on the main day and I think the other days they get like seventy eighty thousand people attending. And the whole spring carnival, like that Tuesday public holiday, everyone they call it the race that stops the nation because everyone stops what they're doing, especially in Victoria. Yeah. Uh, you know, people down tools. You know, grandma stopped knitting and everyone puts a little flutter. up. And it was really interesting because even as kids, your parents would give you this long, stern lecture about how, you know, you have to be really careful with gambling and you can't get addicted to it and, and don't waste your money because you work so hard for it. But today's okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, from a, from like, I mean, since I can remember, so let's call that three, four years old, you always had some money and horses in the Melbourne Cup, but yeah, sure. I, I guess maybe as a thing in America, maybe they need to recruit young people more to come in and no, make it just cool th- and hit. I think
0: we're okay in terms of like Kentucky Derby still popular for people who don't even watch the race, but you're comparing like every day because we have races every day, which I'm sure you have in Melbourne too. Like there's always yeah. horses running. That's not popular. But the Kentucky Derby is popular, like people go there just because it's the Kentucky Derby. And if we had a day off for the Kentucky Derby, then, of course, everybody would watch it because it's like a fun thing to host your day off around. But we don't have holiday for Kentucky Derby. It's just a race. Right. So and it still gets quite big attendance. But I was saying, like, the day to day racing is not very popular No. Especially because a lot of it happens yeah. during the, you know, during the middle of the day, the morning to afternoon. So young people are working. Older older folks are usually the ones who have the free time. And then, you know, when the, so what they did in the U.S. was because horse racing was, like they mentioned, one of the only legal forms of gambling in a lot of the states. What happened was when the races started, the track started doing poorly, the racetrack went to the state and said, hey, um, you know, we're going to have to close up. Uh, unless you guys let us put slot machines inside the racetrack or build an extension to the racetrack with slot machines. And we'll use that money to keep the track open. Okay. Okay. Ah. So now what we have is, is places that used to be racetracks with not just slot machines, but like legit fucking casinos there, because over time they just got more and more of a license. However, they cannot close the racetrack down because The only reason they were given the license and the, you know, the approval to do it was to use the money to keep the racetrack going. So they have their, they still have the racetrack and the race is going, but that's not where they make money. And if you're, you know, if you're 18, sure, you'll go into the, you'll go into the racetrack because you could, the gambling age for horse racing is actually lower than gambling on like blackjack or.
1: Oh, you're kidding me. Really?
0: Yes. It's lower. I can't remember what age you're allowed to start. I think you're allowed to start when you're 16. Or eighteen, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, yeah. I was, I was playing it towards when I was in high school, but I don't remember when exactly I started because that was the only. The, lega- the legacy
1: of the Italian mob doing something for the people, mate. a punt for you younger. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, once you're 21, and then you're like, oh, do I want to go? You know, wake up early to go watch a live horse race, or do I want to sleep in and then go play fucking blackjack in this brand new boss ass casino with all these restaurants? I mean, the their track is right next door, but you know.
1: I still it, find it wild that twenty-one's your legal drinking age, because here it's eighteen. Yeah, we always found it 18. so weird in America that like people can own guns at like eighteen, but like twenty-one, you know, you can't drink, but you can still own a firearm. Uh
0: yeah, I mean Yeah. Well, what can you do? <laughs> the the so, drinking know, age thing is a bit is a bit weird. Um, but I guess there's some Some reason for it. Listen, if it was me, I would ban all alcohol. I would ban all alcohol, all dancing, television and drugs. And
1: Oh draw the line
0: there, buddy. No. Draw the line there. (laughs) Everyone's allowed to have a little bit of uh wacky tobacky. I only wanna see children playing with those you ever see those old those old timey shit where they have those fucking hula hoops that they hit with sticks
1: and roll them around? (laughs) That's, oh my God! That's what are the you, only what? source of Jeez entertainment balloon. that's going to
0: be available.
1: What are your um, what are your recommendations for Satan and Hell?
0: <laughs> no, no, no! This is to you make sure nobody. This is to make sure nobody goes to hell. <laughs> will will we'll Also, we're we're going to abolish all of these new like office jobs. No more tech. No more AI. We're all going to go back to the land, Jimbo Slice. We're gonna we're gonna raise bees and chickens and do some farming, and then we'll go to church, uh, or we'll pray to to the the higher power that be and at least six six days a week for three hours a day so that'll be your day you you pray three hours then you go farming and then you go play with your hula hoop.
1: That's the... okay, so just we've just lost about half of our membership <laughs> <laughs> it's been real be.
0: Did you ever read about the Puritans in the in the US when they took over?
1: Oh yeah, well, bro, well, it was brutal. They fa- didn't they found fa- <laughs> the European the European America? Didn't they? Weren't they the first ones either? Plymouth Rock or whatever? Uh, the, the Puritans were
0: a group of the first people over. They weren't like the they they, they weren't the the first of everybody. But yeah, they they, they were, were heavily one of the-
1: involved in the English Civil War. The Puritans. They were kind of one of the things that kind of pushed against the monarchy. So after yeah, the, dude, I don't know why anybody would the, team up with them. them. After Cromwell or whatever went psycho, um, they end up getting kind of booted from Europe. After he went psycho, the dude was fucking psycho. He was an asshole. They actually the the English Republic were complete pricks. You know, it sounds like in history, it sounds like these noble people that went against a corrupt king, but they were just absolute maniacs. What a dude. Reason. Didn't he hate yeah, Irish yeah. people? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he was. He had. He had like a. He was a like a landed gentry of Ireland, like he was a colonizer essentially. Uh, okay, uh, fuck's sake, dude. Yeah, he was Mate, an I asshole. have to send. I have to send. I, if I haven't sent this video, I'll find it for you. About um. Well, there's a minute left. <laughs> About this bloke, he's he tells he tells his friend he's going to Belfast during the height of ISIS, the height of ISIS, the ISIS goes, or the IRA, ISIS, right? Oh, A couple okay. of years ago, because he goes, I'm <laughs> going to Belfast, and he goes, you got to, He goes ISIS. And his mate's like, what? What are you talking about? He goes, ISIS. ISIS is everywhere. You got to be careful in Belfast. The, the ISIS is not there? And the guy's like, you only really reckon that they'd have the Fucking balls <laughs> to try and take on the IRA in Belfast. Even ISIS would be shitting themselves over it. I, why, why would ISIS want to go to Belfast? Belfast? <laughs> oh, we, we, Belfast is quite nice now. No, Belfast,
0: it's a, it's a, no, I loved it when I went there, but I don't think it's like a strategic oh, yeah. place to take over. Maybe they're big fans of Game of Thrones they just wanted. To, maybe they did a tour, like an ISIS tour oh, yeah, of knows, the mate. Game of Thrones uh, filming locations. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm going to leave it on that. The ISIS <laughs> awesome two of the Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, God.
0: All right. See you, buddy. You. Yeah, oh, see
1: this you, us <laughs> See you, mate. Bye.